What's up, single player gamers? This is the Single Player Experience Podcast, the premier podcast for single player gamers to find out about good single player games to play and talk to some dope people who are playing games to give their recommendations as well. As always, I'm your host, Sebastian Malden, and joining me today, he is no one's sidekick because he is the main character. He's the guy who's taken down multiple franchises across the Nintendo landscape. He is the guy who's mowing down a backlog of Xbox games at a rapid play, at a rapid pace. So, ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is the Annihilator himself, the expert plumber, if you will, because he. <laughs> I, I'm saying this because everyone his his Twitter profile he has a picture of him wearing Luigi gear and everything like that. But like, right. he is also the person who cannot wait to get his hands on a Switch too. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is the one, the only, the sensational David Lasby. How you doing, David? Oh, man. Thank you. I'm doing good. That's quite the intro. I, I hope I can live up to the billing. But uh, <laughs> I'm so happy to be here and um, love talking about Nintendo, love talking about games. Um, and yeah, boy, speculation on Switch 2 is like out of control right now. Um, and, you know, we're, we're probably not that far away from finally getting some insight. So it's it's the best time to put some predictions out there. Yeah, it's exciting. It's an exciting time to be a gamer. Before we begin, though, I want to, you know, like, since this is your first time on the show, I want to do like a get to know you portion of the, sh of the show. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions to break the ice a little bit. All right. So are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So if Kirby absorbed you, what kind of powers would he get? Oh, man, that's a good one. Gosh, I love Kirby, the canonically most powerful character in video games. For real, um, <laughs> Uh, you know, if Kirby absorbed me, he would have weird nature knowledge that would be really random because I, in my other life, I, I'm, um, like a, a super science nerd. I, I love trees. Uh, and, uh, he would have special writing abilities. Uh, he would not have a lot of patience, uh, for roguelike games though. What? <laughs> I, I mean, as much as he loves him, he, he would, if he would get that negative trait from me too. Okay. Very gotcha. good at him. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. I mean, so you love him, but you don't, you don't have that much patience for him. What's your I, I favorite roguelike? I get real mad when I die. Um, gosh, well, you know, it's kind of funny. We're going to talk about it probably today. We get to things we've been playing, but um, mm -hmm. I've been playing a lot of Tunic, which is like a you know, oh, yeah. kind of like a Zelda-like roguelike split together. And that one, that one captured my attention a little more. Like I tried to play Hades, and I, I love the concept, love the game, but every time I kept dying and having to start over, I, I, I just rage quit. So. <laughs> Man, it's it's funny because Hades is one of my favorite games of all time. So oh, it's yeah. like it's it's almost weird to hear like someone be like, "Man, I I just can't can't get past that barrier of of death well, on that one." You know, I think if it caught me at the right time in my gaming mm -hmm. life, I would love it. But I've got two kids right now and a full time job, and it's like I have a limited. You know, it's usually like. I got an hour when all my family's in bed yeah. and I'm staying up playing it. And then it's like, if I feel like I died and didn't make much progress, then it's just like, oh, I, I'd rather go something that's like heavy story driven. Um, I feel so, you on that. I feel yeah. you on that. I'm a narrative guy. I'm a huge narrative guy when it comes to games mm -hmm. as well. So I can respect that. Um, David, I really want to ask you a question. Like, what's been your video game origin story? Like, how, oh, did you get yeah. bit by a radioactive controller? How did you become like, a super gamer <laughs> like this? Well, uh, it all started in the 1980s uh, when I went over to my friend Vincent's house for a sleepover and his mom rented us an NES 
from the video store and we played the legend of zelda and you know it felt like we stayed up all night uh you know that would be the the radioactive bug that bit us mm -hmm. you know but it was probably only till like 11 at night but you know when you're you're five or six years old you think it's all night and you know putting in that gold cartridge and then seeing that come up and and you know seeing this what felt like an infinitely large open world at the time and trying to figure out the mysteries burning every bush and you know uh, it just like locked my brain. Like I just couldn't stop thinking about it and just became immediately fascinated by video games after that. I, you know, from a really early age, I always loved to read. Uh, stories have always been really, you know, a big part of my life. And then to realize like video games were this awesome storytelling medium that I had power in and I could control it. Like, man, I was hooked and I've never looked back. <laughs> you know, my, my like story is very similar. I was a kid who like was engrossed with reading and such like that. And then like when I found like engaging stories through video games, it, it was that mm -hmm. same like compelling hook. I was just like, Oh, this is, this is my life now. This is where I'm at. Absolutely. You know, it's funny too, because, um, you know, during my, my day job, I, I'm an English teacher at the high school and college um, levels. And, I, you know, in the academic world, kind of, you know, I love my colleagues, but, you know, there's definitely like a skepticism of when I bring up like <laughs> video games as like mm -hmm. another medium of great storytelling. And it's like, uh, you know, I probably talk too much about it to them, but, <laughs> I, you know, to me, it's like someday we're going to have museums dedicated to you know just like great video game art in the same way that we have you know all these other ways to celebrate mediums of storytelling and content creation and and to me you know they're the next evolution of storytelling i, I you know I, I feel really passionate about that so yeah so from you know going back to the origin story um once i realized that there's these great stories on screens that were immersive in a way that nothing else had ever been immersive that was it <laughs> No, um, I, I I like this. I was gonna go a different direction here with like uh, what, you, but what you just said kind of compelled me a little bit. I I'm fascinated by this. So as a teacher who's like really love, uh, who really loves like storytelling and elements of that, like what games would you recommend to other people in your in your like profession to say like this? Mm -hmm. This is some key examples of stories and video games that you should definitely check out that would change that perception per se. You know. Like, what are some stories you could think of that way? Oh, man. You know, I, one that I played recently um, that's kind of a, you know, very heavy story mm -hmm. driven, but maybe even a little controversial in the way it ends is Firewatch. Oh, um, yeah. It's so good. You know, and just to be able to, you know, kind of combine those elements. Like, I don't know if you're, when you were a kid, if you ever read those, like, choose your own adventure stories. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, it, to see that sort of model come to life a little bit on the screen where it's like, depending on your choices in the game, right, uh, or your conversation dialogue that you pick, you can get slightly different versions of an ending, you know, uh, it, that's so compelling and gripping, but also short, you know. Um, it, one of the things that I always find interesting, you know, short stories as a genre um, really came about in the time when uh, Americans particularly had busy lives, you know, didn't have a lot of time to sit down, you know, maybe someone was doing laundry for a bit and these, you know, didn't have time to read a whole novel. So there was these little short stories that became very popular. Um, and I feel like little indie games like that are kind of that next evolution of short stories um, where, you know, you just get a little taste of it. You can spend, you know, 10, 10 hours in it and then you move on to the next one. And 
I found myself getting really addicted to that. And then people in my in my life that I try to like say, no, you know, video games are a great medium for storytelling. I, I, I kind of try to throw those indie games out there. So, um, you know, Firewatch, uh, Grease is another one. Um, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, you know, that one really is, really leverages the the visual medium of, you know, telling emotions through colors. And um, so I love that one. I'm trying to think of some other great indie games that I've played uh, recently that, you know, I mean, certainly, you know, there's always those AAA games that have a high production value. Um, But when I think of video games as like an art form, I'm really partial to indie games. So anyway, that's probably more of an answer than you wanted. But no, no, that's that's exactly the type of answer I wanted, because I'm like, you're right. Like that when you think of short stories in in literature, I I think that comparison to like what indie games are doing in their Mm -hmm. space is like a really cool comparison because you can see games like, like you said, Firewatch or What Remains of Edith Fitch, I think is a good one. That's a well. Um, Slay the Princess came out last year, which is like a um, storybook where you're compelled to either save the princess or basically figure out why the, why this character also is going to tell tell you that the princess is 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 slated to end the world and you're and you're trying to p- figure out the pieces of who's right who's mm. wrong and everything in between immortality i think is another mm-hmm. another good one um with sam barlow and that team from um i think it's half mermaid that is like where they so. yeah where i'm um, like they're they were really good at, at telling a short con- conduced like really intriguing mm-hmm. story there and then like you see games like i you know i know Link. valve like is a good one like yeah. is another good one i was just like i wouldn't call valve an indie studio anymore but portal <laughs> is a very short story that feels sure. like yeah feels very indie you know but then yeah it's weird um it is so so cool how like different ways we we have like those stories fed to us through video games whether it be a short story or long long stories like um the last of us red dead redemption and games like that you know well, and I would add too that we're finally getting some more representation in the video game space as well. And that, you know, to me has made the storytelling come to life uh, as well, because we're getting so many more voices with different life experiences uh, than what's been published previously. And it's just enriching the space in a way that, you know, hasn't been up to this point. And all of a sudden we have this explosion of, um, it, it's like a golden age for indie games, uh, yeah. you know, and I, I, that that excites me. And well, one kind of interesting thing, I know there's been a lot of um, problems with AI uh, in <laughs> the creative space, but with AI being able to do a lot of the programming, um, it will be interesting to see if that increases access to game design and, uh, you know, storytelling for people who maybe wouldn't be in that space otherwise, but have good ideas, like will people who maybe would be traditionally authors or, you know, novices that it try their hand at video game creation because AI can do a lot of the programming. So that's kind of some stuff I'm keeping my eye on, you know, in the next few years, um, but it, it's interesting. It really is. Uh, you know, I'm I'm wondering though, like with you being in literature, like you are, like you are like a, a, like a student of the game there, like, is are you going to feel um like ai can compete with what uh like a person can put on you know a script and such like that i wonder how the quality is going to dip or improve you know well that boy that is the question um i certainly i think right now the technology is not there but it 
I mean, the writing's on the wall. It's it's gonna happen. Like each generation of the AI. I mean, we're you know generations aren't even that far apart now. It's developing so quick and so rapidly. Mm -hmm. It's not if it's when it gets to the level of being you know as I don't know if competent is the right word, competent as human storytellers. But what I think will be interesting is if we'll get to a place in the market where it'll be like uh, the old, you know, buy American when you're thinking about yeah. like cars, you know, buy human. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think that will be the, you know, like, will it be labeled as this was written by a human author? And so in that sense, we'll still, you know, prefer human storytelling. Um, but yeah, I mean, boy, this is a fascinating time to be in the business of enjoying creative material and producing creative material. Uh, we just, quite frankly, have no idea what the next 10, 20 years no. is going to look like. <laughs> no, it almost feels like, you know, it's not the same as like the topic we're discussing right now, but like, it almost feels like we're heading towards that um, Detroit Become Human. Have you played that game? Uh, I haven't played it, but I, I've talked about it a lot with friends who are deeply passionate about it. And mm -hmm. yes, I think that's an interesting comparison. I'm like it feels like we're heading in that direction a little bit but it is very possible yeah it's it'll be interesting to see how old we get before we actually get to that point yeah yeah so oh, uh and one other indie game just mm -hmm. to put out there that uh we were talking about earlier storytelling i can't believe this one slipped my mind at first but coffee talk is one of my oh, absolute that's favorites and i just have to say uh as someone who lives in seattle i worked at a coffee shop for six years um I feel like that game was made for me. Uh, so that, I can't believe I forgot to mention that one, but that's an album that I love, so. Did you play the second one, Hibiscus and Butterfly? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I actually got, a, I believe that was one I got an early copy of and got to review. Um, Same here. Which was just amazing. Yeah, probably from from PAX, right? Yeah. 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 Oh man, I love that soundtrack. That was probably one of my favorite like aspects about the game. I love the, the story of it as well, but that yeah. soundtrack is so phenomenal. Ooh, it's so good. It's definitely got a vibe. Yeah, it really does. It really does. So, David, I want to switch gears here for for a minute. Here, we um, I got one last icebreaker question to to ask you. And where, what platforms do you normally game on? Like, are you more of a Xbox gamer, more of a PC gamer? Um, you know, like, do you do Switch, PlayStation, everywhere, all at once? Where, what do you do? So I'm I'm definitely console based. Uh, okay, <laughs> I, you know I like begrudgingly created a Steam account for mm -hmm. the ability to review certain games on my very average laptop. But um, <laughs> I am deeply passionate about Nintendo. I mean that's the console I've had since the beginning. I've had every Nintendo console ever. I think maybe not Virtual Boy, but I aside from that one, I've had I've had them all. Um, so that one's always a mainstay for me. And then Xbox has been something that really since my college years, I, I've loved, you know, playing the original Halo and kind of, you know, that that really made me feel uh, a love for the Xbox brand. Probably has something to do with it being a Seattle company too. I, I feel some <laughs> loyalty there. Um, so, you know, when the next generation of consoles came out, I was very open to getting a PlayStation um, mm -hmm. because there are some great IPs on that that I would love to have access to. Uh, but it ended up just being easier to get an Xbox Series X than a PS5. And so that's the route I went, you know, because I had to pick. Yeah. Um, and so I, I do kind of split my time. You know, there are some games that are only available uh, on a next gen console like Xbox Series X. I love Game Pass. Um, but, you know, in addition to Zelda being one of my absolute loves as a franchise, the Aliens franchise, both the films, Oh, and okay. the games is a lifelong passion also going back to the 80s 
Um, and so that was that was like uh, when Aliens uh, Fireteam Elite came out for the Series X. It was like, okay, I have to get it. I have to get. I have to be able to play this. So um, all that to just say, I think I probably spend maybe sixty percent of my time on my Switch, um, okay. and then forty percent of my Xbox. Uh, probably one of my favorite gaming experiences with my Switch is, uh, you know, once a week on Fridays, um, I bring my Switch into my classroom, uh, and after school, we have Smash Bros. tournaments. Oh, that's uh, so cool. Which is mm -hmm. so fun, and um, it's I kind of can track the progress of how popular Smash Bros. has gotten over the last decade, because, you know, in the early years, I just cleaned up uh, whenever I played, and now, like, Kids clearly play it a lot because, like, I, I it's it's rare when I win the tournament. It used to be like always <laughs> a guarantee. Uh, yeah, so you know um, that's kind of awesome. And it, you know, I think the thing about Nintendo is uh, it brings people together in a way that no other console company does. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so I love that. So that's really cool. Who do you main on Smash? Oh man, well it's got to be Link. Uh, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, <laughs> I should have known since the beginning. Um, you know, I, you'll notice a Zelda theme here. My mm -hmm. my second one is uh, Ganondorf. And oh, yeah. Then, and my third is that I have a Mii Fighter with all the Yiga clan outfit. Uh, what? So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's like, uh, that's the way it is. I do play some Luigi, uh, you know, who I, my profile on, mm -hmm. on Twitter, I have a Luigi hat on and uh, he's the better of the two Mario bros, in my opinion. Uh, I love Luigi. I agree as well. <laughs> Luigi's Mansion is a great game, so... So, uh, so you said Link. Uh, is it just the the normal Link, or you do Toon Link? Oh yeah. Oh man, I I've Young cycled Link. through all of them, mm -hmm. but the the main Link, you know, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom Link is mm -hmm. uh, the one that I play the most. So okay, I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. So all right, so you, <clears throat> I think we got a pretty wide like under understanding, at least a broad understanding of you as a gamer. Like I gotta ask a question though. I know you said you you were hesitant on um becoming a pc gamer you know yeah do you think like a device like the steam deck would change your mind it totally would if if i had the mm -hmm. money to get a steam deck you know and got past the initial like setup complications yeah. and all that which feels a little intimidating um it, yeah because having a portable gaming system is you know for this day especially you know as someone who's you know a parent i don't always get access to the tv mm -hmm. my kids are using <laughs> it or you know my my wife's had a long day and she needs to work you know she's working she needs some relaxed time you know so to be able to just be like i'm gonna go sit in the other room on my switch you know mm -hmm. or to have a steam deck that would be pretty great um so you know and I, i'm happy to see gaming going in that direction a bit yeah um so you know, I'm I'm curious what the next Nintendo console will be like. You know, I, I can't imagine they would go away from from something portable because it's just been so industry defining. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Which brings us to one of our topic of the shows, and that is why I kind of wanted to ask you and your expert opinion because you've been a Nintendo lifelong Nintendo fan and lifelong Nintendo gamer. What would you want from a Switch 2? And what would your dream lineup be for that console? Like, what features do you want for that thing? Do you do you feel like, what features do you feel like it has to have or else you're gonna feel slighted as well? Well, I want it to have access to some of the newer generation games that don't play what, like wouldn't be able mm -hmm. to be supported by the current Switch. So obviously we're gonna need a better processor, which I think is a given at this yeah. point. Um, but I would be curious if Nintendo can do something with the dock uh, to make the, you know, 
essentially to have it be more powerful if it's you know stationed on your TV and then still work pretty well when it's portable. Um, mm. I know that's an idea that's been floated around. Who knows if that's what Nintendo's gonna actually do or not. But um, you know, again, I there's been so many rumors about Switch 2 and I take them with a heavy dose of salt because I don't think anybody really knows. Um, no. Nintendo's pretty good about guarding their secrets. Um, but if it does have at least PS4 power or better, um, I think that's ideal. Uh, okay. You know, I don't think Nintendo has to be cutting edge in terms of graphics. That's never what they've staked their business model around. Nintendo is always about, um, you know, fun multiplayer experience or games that are creative in some way outside of the box or just have incredible gameplay. And mm -hmm. They don't need to have cutting edge graphics to do that. And, no. you know, to be honest, they've carved like a perfect, you know, cut of the market out for themselves mm -hmm. because Xbox and PS5, you know, they do their thing. You know, PS5 has pretty much won that battle. But but <laughs> like Nintendo competes with itself. Like, I mean, really, like th there's been nothing that's been able to move into that section of the market for them, you know. No. And so even, even the Steam Deck is kind of just doing its own thing. Like, um, so... It's got to be portable for me. I would love to have at least PS4 power or better. Mm -hmm. um, a little wrinkle that I would be really excited about is if Xbox does in fact partner with Nintendo, like some of the rumors out there, um, to get some Xbox titles or even have like, I mean, this would be a big reach, but not impossible to have like Game Pass available on a Game Pass app. Really or interesting. Switch. You know, and I don't think it's out of the question. I mean, Nintendo and Microsoft have had like this tentative, you know, play nice together, whatever it is, it's kind of hard to define. Um, so that that would be really interesting. Um, I have some ideas for launch titles, but I, I don't know if that's what yeah, you're we'll, going to we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. I want to yeah. like, I want to follow up on what you just said, because yeah, like, absolutely. I think that's interesting. Um, the, the idea of Xbox being everywhere per se, because they already mm -hmm. have it on TVs. Like I have a friend who, who recently purchased, I think of the Samsung, his Samsung TV, it came natively on, on it. So I'm like, he doesn't yeah. even have to have an Xbox. It's just natively a game pass app on that thing. Right. It's, it's a, so that's amazing. I just, you know, the crazy thing is though, I, I feel like, it would have to be cloud-based only though because like mm -hmm. even with a switch running a ps4 like i look at a game like hellblade like hellblade 2 sinuous sinuous outside and i'm like i don't think hellblade 2 is going to be able to run on a ps4 Probably it just doesn't not. feel like it it, <laughs> yeah. just, it just doesn't feel like it but um but you know like if it was cloud-based and you got to play everything that was on game pass via cloud i don't i wouldn't hate that at all yeah i think you know it's it's just another benefit to the package that is the Switch, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's not all that dissimilar in a way of how I look at Nintendo Switch Online. I mean, people trashed it when it came out, but now looking at it, like there's just so many options. You can find something that's for you. And, you know, not everybody has to want to play cloud-based Game Pass, you yeah. know? But for people that are like, hey, that would work for me, that, you know, that's something I want. It's great. It's a win-win. It's a win for Microsoft and it's a win for Nintendo. So it seems like a partnership that would make sense. And for people that want to have a more uh, upscaled experience, like I'll, I'll play those games on my, you know, Xbox Series X and my, you know, OLED TV and that, you know, that'll, you know, like I'll have that experience when I want it. But, um, you know, the sort of co-promotion model, uh, I just think makes sense. And 
And that seems to be kind of how Nintendo's gone about their service and subscription model anyway. Um, kind of like a choose your own adventure. Like how much of it do you want? Do you want, you know, Nintendo Switch Online Plus? Um, so I think it would be interesting. I think it would be too. I think the only wrinkle in the plan would be like the third party part of that because I'm like third parties are already paying like Xbox or, or Xbox is already paying third party for their games to be on Game Pass. I'm like, I think Nintendo would also probably have to, you know, throw in some money to also have yeah. that. Uh, and then also like, you know, imagine the indie games saying like, oh, like I, I have my games on Game Pass, but then like everyone can now like I, instead of buying my games on Switch, you know, like, you know, they can just download the Game Pass app and play my games on there. They sort of lose a cut of their business, you know, with sure with the the Switch loss in sales. So I'm like, it it is like a wrinkle that I think like might be a stickler for that kind of movement there. Yeah, it, it's it's going to come down to the math, right? I mean, it's sort of that, um, you know, like Costco wholesale warehouse yeah. model where it's like, you know, do you do enough volume that it makes up for the cut that you're taking by putting it on Game Pass or whatever, mm -hmm. um, where you still end up making that money back? And, you know, obviously I'm not, you know, privy to all those numbers, but um it is sort of interesting to think about. Uh, and, you know, right now Switch is an indie machine, right? Like, you know, and it, there, you know, there's things like games that I've played on Xbox Game Pass where I've ended up just buying it because I don't want to lose it, you know, when it goes off Game Pass. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't know if the answer is to just do quicker rotations or, you know, how, how that works to, you know, perk the business. But I, I think, you know, Nintendo certainly, and to a lesser extent, Microsoft, they know what they're doing with their business um you know so i imagine if they want to make it work they can figure it out yeah i, I you know it, it just feels like there's some wrinkles there but I'm, i agree with you it's like if they anything's possible at this point they just bought activision so like anything right i possible. mean <laughs> i want to ask you a question though like um we came we're right now recording the weekend after the xbox uh, developer direct which is you know a, a big deal for xbox to kind of like show some of their heavy hitters for the like for the rest of the year and then we also have the june showcase you know later in june to show like the future games after this year but uh, i want to talk about this because your generation i'm guessing you know like everyone i know from your generation loves indiana jones mm -hmm. like are you one of those people as well Oh yeah, I mean, I grew up watching the movies. I had the VHS, you know, <laughs> trilogy set that came, you know, probably from Costco or wherever I got that thing. But uh, yeah, so I, I'm excited for that. Um, it, I, I worry sometimes when there's like, I mean, I don't think it's fair to necessarily, you know, put under the category of licensed games because that has a really bad connotation, but like, I worry sometimes when there's like already existing IPs that a company takes on and tries to make a great game for. Um, sometimes that works out and sometimes that doesn't. You know, it's not that, you know, to be fair, Indiana Jones isn't in like, you know, it's all time best place anyway as a franchise. No, we for had, sure not. Know, the Crystal Skull was horrible. And then this last movie was like pretty good. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's probably not much they can mess up, you know, in, you know, I trust them to to make a good game. So I'm cautiously optimistic. It'll definitely be one that I play. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. You know, I, I think 
I think Xbox, like this is, I can't, you can't say make or break with a company with as much money as Microsoft, but it feels like a make or break year. I mean, there's been so much promise of like, you know, we bought, you know, Bethesda, we bought all the, you know, we bought all these gaming companies and then what, like there's been, you know, a couple of clunkers, you know, and so it's time to produce, like, where are all these Xbox, you know, exclusive titles that were supposed to carry the console and increase sales again. And, you know, we'll see. I, I feel like you're right there on the money, but with like, it does feel like a make or break year for this generation, at least, mm -hmm. you know, not yeah. necessarily for the whole company, but this generation, it feels like this is the year that the dominoes need to fall or else like most gamers are going to be like, okay, this generation is not, obviously it's another repeat of the Xbox one generation. You right. Know? Yeah. And, you know, what's what's funny is, uh, one of their recent clunkers that I finally picked up on Game Pass and played was Redfall. Oof. And you know what's funny though? Like I, I didn't play it when it came out. So, and I know that the game had so many problems when it came out that it just turned everybody off to the game. They made a bunch, particularly I think the second patch that they did really fixed a lot of the problems in the game. Mm -hmm. So I, I went in with low expectations. I was between games that I you know had just finished and I knew I was gonna try some other ones. So I'll just check out Redfall. I gotta be honest, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit it, but I loved Redfall. Like, you loved it? What? I did. Yeah. You know, like I, it just made me kind of sad to think about like, what if they took the time to put the game out there when it was finished and didn't have bugs? Would the reception have been different? You know, I, I don't know. You know, and I like, now to be fair, I'm a sucker for vampire stories. <laughs> I love first-person shooters. So a, a first-person shooter RPG a, a, about vampires, like I, it was <laughs> made, was for, made you. for me. So, yeah. you know, I know it's not a game for everyone. And, and I think some of the criticisms of the game are fair, but I loved the depth of the storytelling. And I love that, you know, you could go explore and find artifacts that would really be worth finding and tell you more about the story. And so it, it was just sort of like, again, it was so emblematic of everything that's gone wrong for Xbox's generation, where it's mm -hmm. like, you had some potential there, you completely botched the rollout, and you kind of fixed it later, but it's always a like, hey, what could have been? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I don't know, like I, I, tr I bought the $100 deluxe version of Starfield with high expectations. What? I know I regret that so much. <laughs> I was like, money I want back, but I was like, Oh man, this is gonna be the game for me. Space Western. I love you know space. So I I'm like I'm just gonna go all in. Give me all the extra content. I will oh, never no. do that again. I hated Starfield. Like oh, no. hated it. Like yeah. I it just the, like the gameplay felt outdated. Like the traversal without vehicles just was irritating. And I got like 12 hours in. I like I'm done. I'm just gonna eat the hundred dollars. I you know wow. Like, yeah, so, so just getting back to, you know, your idea about Make or Break, like there were two titles that were supposed to carry Xbox this year and it didn't, you know? Yeah. And so, Indiana Jones? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I hope, you know? Yeah, I mean, but to the larger, larger view for Xbox, so, you know, like I, even the year before that, I don't think, I think Halo Infinite had a solid rollout, but like mm -hmm. it fizzled really fast. And, it did and fizzle the staying power wasn't there i'm like no and then the multiplayer felt like it was mishandled the forge mode was lacking so it, it just felt like nothing came together in the way that it should for halo infinite and then like forza was fantastic forza horizon but then 
it's episode Forza. So I'm like, there's a, there's a certain ceiling for like the mainline right. population for that type of game. It's then you go over to their some of their other titles, which are very niche, like multiplayer titles where you have like games like grounded you have games like minecraft minecraft legends you know like minecraft what all the other spin-offs that they, they come up with at this point right and uh and then you have flight simulator and then but none of those feel like system sellers though those feel no. like a plus they feel like when you turn on netflix and you just try <laughs> to find something to watch you know but <laughs> versus like when you turn it's on true. HBO Max, and you're like, oh, I'm about to get some content today. I'm about That's to get right. like Succession or The Last of Us or something like oh that. You know, That's and a great analogy. It, it just feels it just feels lesser. It feels like popcorn, uh, popcorn flicks versus it feels like a mainline Scorsese or high end Marvel movie or, you know, to that level. And this feels like the year that all four of those games that they had in the, in the developer direct minus like maybe Aria because that's like civilization and I'm a Civ fan, but I even I know that's only for like a very specific audience. Sure. So I'm like, the other three games though, I'm like, Hellblade has a lot on its shoulders now. I'm like, yeah. it, it has a lot of it on its shoulders. Indiana Jones has a lot on its shoulders, and then I look at Avowed, and I'm like, ooh, like you have to like over deliver what we saw from this developer showcase mm -hmm. because like all three of those games need to at least be like eight out of ten to me like it yeah. feels that way right now well and and actually going back to halo for just a second too mm -hmm. like what another like totally missed opportunity for xbox like you botched season one of the show yeah uh, that was like terrible. you know now season two to be fair it looks like they're gonna kind of follow the reach uh storyline and it, mm -hmm. it looks good like i'm cautiously optimistic like maybe they realize they messed up so bad in season one and they're almost like kind of hitting a restart of the show it seems like um but okay so then you launch halo infinite around the time that there's a show like this is like an like a a marketing dream here like you've yeah. got everything made and then you let it fizzle like how did you not like make sure the multiplayer is going to be good um honestly the campaign i loved like i have not loved a halo game that much since halo 3 Same. and like the the grappling hook and everything and the story with the pilot like i found that really compelling and then i was just like i finished the campaign i'm like how is this it like there should be more like i'm just getting into the story you know why are you not releasing a story-based you know dlc that's really mm -hmm. gonna just you know wow me and it's like they just moved on and it's just like you know I, sometimes it's like who's running the show here like I, you know i just don't understand i don't either because like with a name like infinite i thought like like yourself i thought maybe we were and i don't know i this was my delusion they never said this but like i thought maybe we would get like a story-based campaign maybe like mm -hmm. once a year or once every six months or so right and i was just like make it like eight hours i would have been perfectly fine with that like sign me up i'll pay I'll, like I'll yeah. save here. Save here. <laughs> yeah. or even if you just put it on game pass i know i would have been there day one but yeah. like if you made a Miles Morales sized like Halo campaign and just added on to what you had before, I think that game would have been a juggernaut right now. Oh, it really would have because there was some excitement when it came mm -hmm. out. Like there was a lot of buzz. I think a generation of gamers that, you know, I I'll never forget when Halo 2 came out. That was like a cultural event. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was. I mean, it really was, you know, and so it's just like people that had that experience in the not too distant past like they were ready to go they're like you know halo 5 we don't really know what happened there like let's huh. like let give us what we you know and and the you know the the open world the you know 
clearing all the forward operating bases. That was, you know, fun gameplay loops. Mm. And, and you had the grappling hook, which really, it, you know, kind of felt like Spider-Man. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, like, yeah. really, you know, and then they just, you know, I don't know. So I, I share your, your feelings on that. And, uh, you know, getting back to the, the original thing you said, it, it really does feel like a make or break year for Xbox. So it does when they get it figured out. It does. You know, like I said the thing about your generation earlier, because like I think there's a great divide on Indiana Jones right now, because like like the Dowl of Destiny movie, I think, was for a lot of indie fans, like a good solid movie. It's just like it just didn't do well in the box office because like the IP hasn't quite been handled correctly. And then also like young people don't necessarily gravitate towards Indiana Jones, you know, like it's so i think it's in a weird spot do you think this game is going to be like the bridge for a lot of new younger gamers to actually jump on or you think like fortnite's got a hold on these this generation and like it's gonna be rough i i think it's gonna come down to gameplay and Mm -hmm. and bugginess if they want something that turns out to have a bunch of bugs it's over like (laughs) it's like in a lot of ways it goes back to nintendo you know, let's just take Pokemon Company out of it for a minute. Yeah. Nintendo, when they produce something as the developer and the publisher, it flawless. is it, it's flawless. There are no, mm-hmm. I mean, even just thinking about like Tears of the Kingdom and what a like technical masterpiece that was to have all those physics engines interacting with no bugs. I mean, a flawless launch. That is the mark of quality that comes from Nintendo. And it's not that Nintendo is doing something that other developers can't. It is, they make a choice and they, they talk, you know, there's been all kinds of articles since coming out about their attitude towards uh, their programmers and developers at the time, giving them the time they need to get it figured out, delaying it if they needed to. So there's a lesson there. If, yeah. if Xbox and, you know, Bethesda and all these companies are serious, like you got to make it flawless like oh, yeah. Nintendo does on the launch and I think if if it's bug free and smooth and then the gameplay loop is a ton of fun it, the the IP itself is also like just you know in some ways it's it's like window dressing it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be window dressing I, I think indie offers a, a great story too but I, it's the gameplay that draws people that's why Nintendo's still kicking butt even yeah. though there's like way better IPs you know I, I would say on you know PS five like i mean you've got incredible storytelling and nintendo has some good storytelling too but not to that level though not to that level right but but they do well because you make a game that's quality with fun gameplay people will play Mm -hmm. it yeah i i agree with everything you said there it's it's interesting though i'm like i look at everything xbox is doing on their side of the fence and i look at indiana jones and i also like hear there's always controversy behind everything they're doing is what I was going to get to. It's yeah. like, there's always, it can't just be like, Hey, we're excited about something <laughs> like, t- like t- and Nintendo drops the tears of the kingdom trailer or like even a Zelda trailer. You say they've dropped a Metro trailer tomorrow. It's just going to be hundred percent excitement. There's no controversy behind anything right. like that. It's like, there's no, like nobody's going to be up in arms. Xbox makes an announcement. And like legitimately there's an argument about Indiana Jones, whether it should have been third person or first person, you uh, know, like, yeah yeah and it's like in give the game a chance yeah and the (laughs) same thing with halo infinite like their halo infinite had its first reveal and then like everyone's talking about craig the the little alien that looks like all sorts of red (laughs) and weird and and didn't quite look good and i admit it didn't look good but there's always like that 
asterisk next to everything mm. xbox does and and like it feels like they need to kind of like just come out swinging and make sure that there's no room for debate with these games yeah i, I do wonder i know console wars are kind of dead but yeah in some ways there's still a little bit of like the console bro culture i guess and <laughs> so i feel like anytime xbox comes out with something I don't know how much of the complaints are actually from Xbox fans versus salty PlayStation fans that are, you know, wanting to take it down a peg. Cause I know Xbox fans do that anytime PlayStation stuff comes out. It's always mm -hmm. like, you know, this need to defend what we feel passionate about. Um, whereas like the one of the reasons I think Nintendo doesn't do that is because people that own a Switch probably also own a PlayStation or also own an yeah. Xbox, you know? And so it's always like everybody's number two. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, because there's not direct competition with Switch, I, 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 there's just not as much of that territorial, like, angst that spills over into comment sections and, no. you know, in the same way. At least that's my two cents on it. I could be wrong, but that's, I that's one thing I wonder. I think that's dead on. It's just, it's weird because, like, I understand, like, everyone's kind of abrasion to, towards, like, the console wars now. It's just... It feels weird to me like and i'm not like trying to fan the flames of the console wars it's just like <laughs> i it, i'm not it's like it just feels like i it feels like everything that we do in life always has that back and forth to it <sighs> it's like it, it's like um i know friends that have iphones i'm not an iphone person uh you know i'm an android but then you know they're always like Ugh, green bubbles you know like there's always <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean be like yeah it's true it's true you know, you know i mean like iphone users look at us like we're sick of head citizens because that's we right just, we're not on the iphone platform <laughs> and it's like it's and i think that same kind of thing is is indicative and kind of shows with um what we see on the on consoles it's like um the same thing is happening now in cars where like um i don't know if you saw the the story with the big freeze in chicago but like uh a lot of evs did not necessarily function well within the the cold as far as recharging yeah. and such like that like car enthusiasts tore them a new one like absolutely tore evs a new one and i'm like i understand people don't want to like stroke the flames of the console wars but i'm like this is sort of life though isn't it right yeah, like, we, we yeah. can do both and it's okay. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, we just get excited about the things we're passionate about, you know? That's right. Yeah, I'm like, I know I know a person personally who just like refuses to eat any pizza that's not, you know, like Papa John's. They're just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I stand on that hill. I'm like, if it's not like at restaurant pizza, he just, he only eats Papa John's, you know? Like, it's just, I think people have preferences, you know? Yeah. Well, this like idea of brand loyalty is like an extension of our personhood is kind of it's a weird place that uh, America particularly is in. So it is. It's weird. It really is. It's very weird. But I want to ask you um, switching gears here. Like you had a particular list that you brought up before the show. And I was going to bring this up at the top, but we've been having really great conversations and I'm sorry for no, just going yeah, into it every day. But uh, you have a list of games that you've been playing lately. Would you mind sharing that with us today? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I kind of split it up between Switch and Xbox. So okay. uh, for for Xbox, uh, kind of going back like last four or five months here, um, played Redfall, which I already talked about, mm -hmm. and Firewatch, uh, which were both Game Pass editions. I love me some Game Pass. Uh, feels like going to the public library. <laughs> <when I was laughs> it really kid, does. Like getting to pick out some books. Like oh, I'll try this one. And 
Um, so love that. And, uh, you know, I mentioned I'm a big Aliens fan. Uh, one of the games that I got to demo at PAX East, which was like a dream come true, and then take home with me to, uh, you know, um, review was Aliens Dark Descent. And mm -hmm. uh, that sort of, um, they call it real-time action. So it's not quite real-time strategy. It's like a kind of a hybrid between the genres. And uh, probably one of my favorite games of 2023. Just absolutely love that game. Um, Starfield, obviously. And then one of the other games, a little bit back, it's not pushing on the recent label, but mm -hmm. uh, the Dead Space remake of last year was uh, one of my favorite games of 2023 as well. So um, people love my, that. Yeah. You know, and that was actually my first introduction to Dead Space, believe it or not. You know, and it, it's funny because that genre owes so much of its identity to the Aliens films in the mm -hmm. in the 70s and 80s, you know. And so uh, talk about another IP that was like tailor made for me. And so now I, I, I'm hoping they'll remake Dead Space 2 and I want to just keep on that train. Uh, I love those a lot. I um I hear so many good good things about Dead Space. I am just a survival horror chicken or like a <laughs> horror chicken when it comes to most horror things. So I'm like, I kind of have to either brace myself and play things very like astronomically slow or just avoid it at all costs. There's no in between for me. Oh my gosh, the, the game that uh, this has obviously been some years now since it came out, but Alien Isolation uh, oh, is probably I one of the best. Play that one, yeah. Yeah. Well, when I first played that game, uh, you know, I had my Xbox Connect set up. So, you know, something unique to that game is um, the creature will hear you if you make a sound in your actual living room uh, mm -hmm. through the Connect. So you have to like actually be quiet while you play the game. And I, the first time I played it, I was so stressed out that I <laughs> I threw up after playing what? the game. Yeah, I was like, I you know, it like my stress level was so mm. high. I just like, <laughs> uh, I will say that I went back a year later after taking a long break from that game. It was already kind of a stressful time in my life. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, you know, played through and beat it. It's one of my favorite games ever. But uh, so I know I know what you mean on the stress on survival horror. And uh, actually, it's funny last year for for christmas i got my my family a uh metaquest 2. oh uh, yeah it was it? Most, good it was mostly for my kids but also there was an aliens vr game that's <laughs> supposed to be coming out too so i'm like this is the perfect time to get mm -hmm. my kids this christmas gift uh so that game uh, i boy if i got stressed out playing something on a screen uh, aliens in vr I, I think i'm gonna have like a heart attack when i play that game i did play resident evil 4 on it and that was a lot of fun i uh, played um resident evil 7 biohazard in vr like when oh, yeah. psvr first started to come out and it was it was an experience it really was <laughs> you know when those things like get right up in your face yeah you like everywhere you, you can't turn away from it they're there you know so um, One would almost call it too much of an experience. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I usually can only do VR for like 30 minutes at a time before I get a little motion sickness anyway. So yeah. yeah. That's so uh, funny. My Switch games, though, that's, you know, I think where I've done most of my playing this year. So um, Tears of the Kingdom, I, I got okay. to review that when I um, I recently finally stepped down at Zelda Dungeon, but I, I, I wrote uh, and was an editor um, at Zelda Dungeon for like three years. And I got to help review Tears of the Kingdom, which was awesome. And, uh, you know, put a couple hundred hours into that game and uh, love it. One of my favorite Zelda games of all time. Um, obviously, Super uh, Smash Bros and Mario Kart, those are my weekly stuff that I play. Um, 
Super Mario Bros. Wonder. I, I played all the way through that. Loved that. Uh, okay. It, it reminded me so much, um, you know, probably the defining Mario games in my life uh, are Super Mario 3 and Super Mario World. And so to get a really great side-scrolling game like that was a uh, big nostalgia factor for me. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I, I'm like, I never have connected with Mario before. Okay. Be it's like okay. I played one through three of, of like yeah. World and such like that. It's just... It never felt like it never felt like that was my series though. But like, so when I played Wonder, I didn't have that nostalgia going for me. Mm -hmm. But I, I enjoyed my time with it though. Yeah, it's a fun platformer. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's you know, it was funny to me that it was nominated for Game of the Year just because like it felt like an oddball and with the rest of these like really powerful cinematic narrative stories. But you know, I mean, they, it, for people who love platformers, I mean, it really is a, a great platformer. Yeah. Um, so, and then the last uh, games I've been playing on Tunic, I've put a ton of hours in. I have so much to say about Tunic. Uh, but then my my daughter actually is obsessed with Five Nights at Freddy's right now. What? So, yeah. So I Switch has a like uh, a collection of all the FNAF mm -hmm. games. Uh, so I've been playing that with her, and then uh, Security Breach, which is like one of their one of the few games where instead of just sitting in an office it's like a kind of an open world that you go explore and uh so we beat that one together and uh, it's been a lot of fun so um do you think and there's ready? a oh, oh there's the one on vr too there's uh, i think it's called help wanted uh, uh that that there's some good jump scares in that so <laughs> that's funny that's funny do you think she's ready for the movie Oh man, no! I watched the movie. I, I, it was all right, but I think mm -hmm. she, she's twelve. She's, she's okay, gonna have to wait a little, a little bit yeah. for the movie. Yeah, <laughs> maybe a little young for that. I understand yeah. completely. Yeah. So that's my list. That's what I've been uh, playing, and uh, you know, there's there's certainly games this year that I look forward to coming out. But uh, that's that's where I've been at with gaming. Okay. Okay. What do you think you're going to play next? Ooh, well, I'm still trying to 100% Tunic right now, which I had no idea how deep that game goes. Mm -hmm. Like, there are secrets and secrets and secrets. Like, I've just, I, it's, there, there, uh, people have, uh, there's whole Reddit groups dedicated to, like, translating all the runes and stuff <laughs> in the game. I mean, people, like, it's, it's nuts. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm curious about what's going to be coming out for the next switch but i'm kind of in sort of like an open space right now for my mm -hmm. games i played through all the ones that i really want to do so i suppose it's time for backlog but <laughs> <laughs> the ever-growing backlog yeah yeah mm -hmm. so I, boy I, I it's kind of funny like i've come through so many games that were on my must post oh i know probably prince of persia that the yeah, yeah. metrovania that's probably the next one i'm gonna play uh, yeah. i also still need to play alan wake 2 mm -hmm. um so those are games that have definitely caught my eye do you think you're going to play Prince of Persia on the Switch or on your Xbox? Oh, man, that is the question. So I love the, like, better graphics and, like, no loading times mm. of Xbox. Uh, but the portability of playing on Switch is tough to beat. So I think I might end up getting it on Switch. That's kind of what I'm okay. doing right now. Are you a physical gamer? Like, a physical... Um... Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I so... You know, now I will say... I do get a lot of digital downloads, but mm -hmm. if it's anything that I care about at all, give me physical. And so okay. like any Aliens game, any Zelda game, I buy physical. And then uh, for Tunic, actually, um, I bought, I think I think it was limited run games. Might've mm -hmm. been, they, they had like this special, you know, physical edition for Switch that included like an actual instruction manual that reminded me of something right out of the eighties and nineties. 
uh, and cool. a big map. And man, I, I love that stuff. I, you know, maybe when my kids move out, I'll have like a <laughs> like my own little <laughs> mini museum. Uh, but right now, I'm running out of storage boxes for games, so it's I have to be a little more selective these days about what yeah. I'm looking for. <laughs> you basically yeah, either that or the attic is gonna get that's some right. At this that's point. right. Yep. <laughs> um, have you heard of Chance of Sonar? Rings a bell, but I, I can't I can't quite remember what it is. Okay, so like I I played a lot of Tunic, but um and it, this is kind of it's not the same but it kind of reminds me a little bit bit of it because like you're always constantly discovering um different languages and decoding different mm -hmm. languages but so chances are you kind of observe listen and decipher like ancient languages um inspired by the myth of tower the babel the tower of babel oh really so oh, that's yeah that's that's why i thought you'd like it because like at first like you're talking to um different entities and you like the text bubbles will pop up right beside them and you don't know what they're saying or anything like that but as you as you go forward in the game like you'll learn a a language or a phrase in a different language and then like when you go back to that person you'll see that the bubbles instead of it being like gibberish will become like translated but even though they'll oh. still yeah even though they'll still sound like they're saying the same dialect in like um in audio but like the bubbles will be different so I'm like, you're slightly learning different like phrases in different languages and you using those to solve puzzles going forward. I love that idea. I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. It, you know, it's funny just hearing you talk about that. I think kind of circles back to what we were talking about earlier with video games being this unique medium to experience mm -hmm. art. Like I, there's not really another way you couldn't do that in a novel. You couldn't really do that in a film, but yeah. like video games provide this like immersive experience where you know something like that is possible you know and it's really cool um like i think like the indie space is is providing some really cool innovative mm -hmm. ideas because like chances sonar and tunic are things like are, are like language-based puzzle games that i didn't even think were possible because i'm like i haven't i've never seen anything like those games you know right yeah yeah it's funny too that you know kind of tangentially related to this but mm -hmm. you know we really do have like triple a studios and then like single A indie games, but there's like this open space for the double A studio uh, that it'll be, I hope that that gets filled. Um, Cold Iron Studios who made Aliens Fireteam Elite, which it, it, I think they did a fantastic job with. They're kind of like a double A studio. They've got uh, 60 developers on staff. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're not huge, but they're not, you know, it's not a small team and they did great work and I, I'm curious, like as some of these like baby indie studio indie studios grow up, um, if we'll get more double A studios uh, as a result. So that that's another interesting kind of trend I'm curious about. I think so. I think like um, when I look at like Play Dead, the team behind like Limbo and mm. and such like that, I'm like they feel more double A now than they do like um, than they do like an indie studio. They're indie, but they're like so high indie, just mm -hmm. like. Team Cherry, that's the team that did um, Hollow Knight as oh, well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or like, Inner Sloth. Inner Sloth, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm like, Inner Sloth, um, Super Giant, who did like Hades. Um, yeah. They feel like high end indie now. Um, even then, like to a lesser extent, I mean, Towerfall, uh, which was uh, the team that did Celeste and mm -hmm. such like that, they feel like they just feel higher end indie that that feels like it's starting to hit that double A level. Yeah. <laughs> that double yeah. A level that you're talking about. And we, you know, me and you go to PAX and we see like all these games that, um, that feel like they're higher level, like they feel like they're higher level, like mm -hmm. development cycles are like, are 
our their development cycles are so high end and compared to some of the other ones that we've seen like i i you went to pax east last year you remember a game called fort solace i do yeah yeah, I'm like, it was, it has like some alien like um, tendencies right. as well. But like, yeah, it's like, it felt like high end as far as like, it felt like more like a Detroit become human graphically mm -hmm. than a lot of the indies that we saw. But like, I would, I love to see this resurgence of double A and see the stories we can get from, the, from that medium. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to switch gears here and talk about some of the games you're looking forward to. What, what are the games you're looking forward to for 2024? Man, well, I'm going to have to give that some thought. I mean, because, and I don't want to spill too much into our next segment, but I like, I have some theories about what's coming out. And so I, I have. Let's switch gears then. Okay. I like this. All right. So okay. We're, so um, going back to the Switch 2, we talked about what would your dream lineup be for the Switch 2? And I think this kind of segues away, uh, like perfectly from what we just talked about. Like, what games are you looking forward to? And what would your dream lineup be for Switch 2? What are the theories? Well, I think, you know, and people have been looking foolish for almost seven years now saying this, but I, I think a new Metroid Prime is going to be a launch <laughs> title. Like, I, I really do. And um, I played Metroid Prime Remaster this last year. That was my first time playing uh, a 3D Metroid. I've always done the 2D Metroidvanias mm -hmm. and was blown away by how good it was. And it looked great on the Switch, so I can't even imagine what the next one would look like on Switch 2. But... I, I got, I mean, it's gotta be coming out, right? Like, I mean, that seems like an ideal launch title. Um, I also think uh, we might see from Grezzo a top-down Zelda. That's what I think is gonna be a big surprise for people because okay. Nintendo has proven in the past that, you know, now I know they don't have two separate Zelda teams anymore, but they used to have ones working on top-down Zelda and then 3D Zelda. With these development cycles for mainline 3D Zeldas taking six, seven years now, that's too long in between with no Zelda. So, you know, <laughs> obviously, I mean, just as a company like Nintendo, they like it prints money, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and they can do quality ones pretty easily. So, you know, I think we probably get some HD ports finally of Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, but I'm not terribly excited about those just because I have them on like four different systems or whatever at this yeah. point, you know, um, but I do think we get a new top-down Zelda and maybe it's a remake of uh, one of the earlier games like Link's Awakening, but I have a feeling we're just going to get a brand new one because the last true top-down Zelda game we got was A Link Between Worlds, and okay. which I love, so sad that that thing's trapped on the 3ds that's like a travesty <laughs> um but i that's that's one of those that i i'm putting out there as a theory um i think we're gonna finally get mario kart 9. okay um, I, I again like that talk about a game that prints money <laughs> mm -hmm. i mean you know the for people that have bought switch i think that's like the number one game that people purchase i think it, it's somewhere over 50 million copies now or whatever um i can and, see that yeah, and so you know, like, if they came out with a Mario Kart 9, everybody that already previously owns Mario Kart is immediately going to buy another <laughs> one. I mean, that could set a record, seriously, for mm -hmm. how many units are sold in a single year. Um, so so we've got new Zelda, okay. new Metroid, new Mario Kart. I don't think we're going to see any new Smash Bros. for a long time, unfortunately. Um, you know, listening to the conversation around that game, I... I'm worried that that, you know, I love 
uh, Ultimate, but I think mm-hmm. that might actually be the Smash last Smash Bros we get for a very long time. You think so? so? I do. You know, <sighs> you don't think they'll manage to bring with Sakurai back? He didn't seem like he, he kind of seemed like he's done. Like mm-hmm. it was like his magnum opus. Like, <laughs> like he gave us, you know, ult, you know, Ultimate and. I think if Smash Bros were to ever come out again, they would almost need a new development team starting from scratch. It might even need to go more like small scale. Cause like, how do you top like 79 characters or whatever, you know, like. You make the next generation. Yeah, I mean, really it's like, it's gotta be something, you know, or we get like a 3D fighter, you know? Yeah. But uh, so I, so those are the ones that I'm thinking about right now. I'm really curious. I also do think, you know, Super Mario Odyssey was the last real true 3D Mario we mm-hmm. got. And so, I, you know, you know, say what you will about Mario. I mean, in some ways, it's a very vanilla franchise. I know it yeah. might be sacrilegious to say, but, <laughs> you know, it is it is what it is. It's not going to move the needle on storytelling, but no. um, it sells units. It absolutely yeah, it sells units. So it's hard to imagine they launched the Switch 2 without another Mario. Maybe finally Super Mario Odyssey 2. So... Okay. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? What are what are your predictions I, I, for that? I, yeah, I'm like you hit the you hit all my predictions. I was like Metroid. I'm a little uh, unsure about because it's <laughs> yeah, Metroid at this point. Because <laughs> yeah. it's Metroid. Yeah. I'm like, but okay. So Mario Kart Nine, I can completely see that. I would. I can completely see like a Superstars as well. Maybe like. Oh yeah. I could see that. They seem like. For some reason, they seem like they don't get enough of Kirby. So I'm like, I could see Kirby being somewhere in the mix as well. Like, it feels like Kirby comes out every three months. Every year. It's <laughs> like a new, every Nintendo Direct's like, and another Kirby. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, man, I think I'm going to run out of things to put Kirby in at this yeah. point. It's like, but like Kirby, I so I like Odyssey, I could see that. But I can also see Donkey Kong hasn't had a game since Tropical Freeze. And I'm like, I could see maybe like a resurgence of Donkey Kong, especially if like maybe the next movie isn't Super Mario Brothers 2. Maybe it's a Donkey Kong movie. Yeah. Boy, people would love that. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm like, you know, I don't think you have that. Uh, you know, um, wasn't it not Jack Black who did um, Donkey Kong, but wasn't it? Who was the voice oh, of Donkey Kong? It was Kong? Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen? Yeah, yeah. I don't think you signed Seth Rogen without having a long term plan. No. And, yeah. and, it would it would definitely break Twitter for a day if, uh, yeah, <laughs> if that exactly. was announced. Exactly. I think eventually they're building like towards a Smash Brothers type movie. So like their version of Avengers. So I'm like, I think this next step is Donkey Kong. You know? Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, I can see a Donkey Kong game that kind of like fits in that timeline. But who knows? I'm like, I. But on the Zelda side of things, like I do think like like you said, like you go smaller instead mm-hmm. of. Instead of going more so in Breath of the Wild or Choose of the Kingdom, maybe you go like the Minish Cap and do like a Link's Awakening version of the Minish Cap or, mm-hmm. you know, a Link to the Past as opposed to do that same thing you did with Link's Awakening and just do it with like all the 2D Zeldas, like Oracles oh, yeah. of a Season, Oracles of an Age, Minish Cap and a Link to the Past. And you just, I feel like you just print money at that point. Well, the original needs some love too. I mean, like it, mm-hmm. it, they made that, um, like model for breath of the wild using the original zelda like it's basically sitting there nintendo like yeah <laughs> slap some graphics on it and give it to us you know 
Yeah, and it doesn't feel like it'd be hard. Like, no, it feels like they need their own like Blue Point Studios, the the studio that basically just you know does yeah. like all the remasters and remakes and such like that. It feels like they just need one of those. They do, and just, and just tell them, hey, you're you're our old retro Zelda team, or you're like, I take right? a break from Zelda to Earthbound and such like that. Oh yeah, to. oh man, that would be cool. And boy, yeah. that talk about another game that would just absolutely blow up if it was announced. <laughs> So how, would you go like crazy for Earthbound at this point? Uh, I So I wouldn't, but <laughs> I have friends that are absolutely, I mean, like there is so much love for that franchise. Uh, in fact, while we were at PAX, they, uh, mm -hmm. there was that uh, documentary that fans had produced about the Earthbound series. Uh, you know, it's like for a franchise that's so old and given so much like, like never given love for Nintendo, the fact that it has so many loyal fans still uh is really something yeah that's really cool that's really cool i you know i feel like i'm always missing out because i haven't joined the i i don't have the nintendo nostalgia because like a mm. lot of those games like my my hardcore nostalgia for games start at the playstation one era and then kind of graduates from there so everything every console after that i kind of like if either played games from that era or are owned so i'm like I don't like Super Nintendo. I was super young, so I'm like, I don't sure. necessarily like. I know Mario, but I'm like, yeah, it, it didn't quite grab me like the other ones do. But I think like Kingdom Hearts is the first one. Where I'm like, oh, I'm like, that's where my nostalgia starts <laughs> at that point, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I want so like on the Switch too. You talked about features that you would love. Like on you talked about the dock. Do you think the dock needs to be 4K enabled? Like, I know you talked about the graphics didn't necessarily need to be there, but like, I feel like right now it's like 1080 already, right? Right. When it's docked in 720 when it's not. Yeah, you know, it just seems like something that, you know, why not at least offer it as an upgrade, right? Like, yeah. maybe it doesn't come standard with the console because you're trying to hit a certain price point for sales. And you feel like if, if we put this, you know, hardware in there, it's going to push the you know, the purchase costs up too high and we're not going to bring it, you know, fine. But like if you provided a, you know, souped up dock mm -hmm. as, as an additional feature, it's not creating any kind of inequality. It's not like you can't play certain games without it, but for people that love it and want that extra, you know, they want that ultra high def, you know, 4k on their screen. Why not? Like, it just doesn't seem like it, and it wouldn't have to be messing with the actual hardware of the switch too. It's, you know, so you're not having to mess around with your uh, manufacturing in any way. It's a separate piece that could, you know, provide that boost. Um, I, I just think it's, you know, and again, I don't claim to be an expert quite on how that would work, but it, it, I've read enough people that say it could work that it just seems like, hey, there, there's an idea there that makes sense. I have a crazy, a crazy, um, I guess you could say idea or maybe a thought here, like, what if they what if they did something similar to the series s and the series x to where like nintendo came out with a two switch models one is like a standard nintendo switch well what we kind of expect their their switch to to be and then what if they have like a series x model of a nintendo mm -hmm. switch so to speak to where like that second one is a like a standard like console that is very much like hey this is our are like 
sit at home kind of console this is you plug it directly to the tv mm -hmm. but this will have 4k it'll have a hardcore ssd in it and everything like that like what if they went back to the, the roots there but not necessarily did the 3ds versus like the wii kind of situation but like it's still in the switch family but like maybe like a hardcore super switch how would you feel about that i mean i don't think that's all that crazy of an idea at all i mean <laughs> look at what intended i mean what what did there end up being four versions of the switch this generation yeah. right i mean you have the oled the regular switch the switch light there's actually technically that like launch 2.0 model that had the like nine hour battery but wasn't the oled mm -hmm. right i mean so it's like they're you know kind of like the iphone model in a way right? <laughs> exactly like you, you can get the the pro max or the you know so yeah i mean i think that would be really viable and i i know for people that are hardcore gamers or, or you know they really love nintendo i would buy it heck and if you called it the super nintendo switch the Aww. nostalgia alone would get me right there i'd be like take my SABS, money yes <laughs> yeah. uh maybe they do like the guardians of the galaxy snes volume 2 right exactly. that, that would there be so go. cool oh man that would be awesome that'd be very cool that'd be very cool but you got like talking about it has me excited even though i'm like i'm not the ideal market for switch 2 if i'm being honest because like this generation of of switch games didn't necessarily like it wasn't for me and mm. i know there's a little bit of something for everyone i like i only got really hooked on fire fire emblem this this mm. generation it was three houses because like i i like narrative based games and they didn't feel like anything was super compelling for me narratively speaking yeah. with those so i'm like and all my indie games i play on like my steam deck or my like other consoles so i'm like outside of that the first party lineup is like mario games pigman games like i got a donkey kong and then like a lot of zelda and like i only played two zeldas in my whole life and there were mm. two years of the kingdom and breath of the wild so i have no okay. experience with like yeah i have no nostalgia towards zelda yeah so yeah boy that's an interesting two to break into zelda because they're so different than everything else yes. in the series. <laughs> i i feel like maybe you know i should do some backlog um backlog hunting there and like go back and actually experience those um the classics so to speak and maybe that'll give me like a different idea of that of like what everyone's hyped about zelda about because like for me it's like i so like i hear complaints about the open world games and like oh this feels empty or like these feel like repetitive and such like that and i play in like and i take those like that thought process and go into tears of the kingdom and i'm like this feels empty to me and this mm -hmm. feels like repetitive outside of like the puzzles are different i get that but it's like okay i go to one puzzle spot then i go to maybe a shrine or maybe like a guardian thing and i've kind of i do the same thing i kind of did in the last game but it's a little different because there's a underground and there's like sky temples and i have ultra hand i'm like but it feels the same to me so yeah. like it didn't it like it didn't blow me away so i i don't have the the love for zelda yet well, if you if you want the true retro experience uh, for Top Down Zelda, check out a link to the past. Okay, uh, link to the past. And then if you want the like more story driven 3D uh, games, people love Ocarina of Time, but and it's gonna be people are gonna hate me for this, but I would say that's actually kind of dated in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, I would say check out Twilight Princess. Um, okay, it's like a really great story driven kind of contained uh game uh for the 3d games and uh, those two i think would give you at least a good sense of what old zelda was like okay 
I'll have to do that. I'll have to do that. All right, David, before we go, I know you're a busy man, but I do have a challenge for you. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> All right. So our last segment of the show, everyone, is Are You a Pro Nerd? Where we ask our guests five different questions based on five different areas of nerdy, just nerdy areas. So we're going to give him five questions. His first category is in the realm of Star Wars. Star Wars. David, how do you feel about this category? I mean, I feel okay, but I will say that I'm so bad at quiz games. Oh, <laughs> it's no. Like I, I know things, and then it, my memory just goes blank when I'm uh, in the moment. So I, I hope I do well. I hope I, I at least get close to being a pro nerd. Okay, okay. <laughs> I gotcha, I gotcha. All right, so what planet is Padme Amandala from? Uh, Naboo. That is absolutely correct. <gasps> you, you're on the board. You, <laughs> you're on the board. All right. Yeah, so okay, so how you feel? You you got the first question out of the way. You feel a little oh, more confident relief. now. Okay, I uh, thought I was gonna stub my toe on Star Wars and I would be downhill from there. So Okay, okay. So we're feeling better. We're feeling better. Our second category is in the realm of Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Uh oh, okay. I hope I do okay. all right. Okay, so oh, okay. Harry Potter has several teachers in, at Hogwarts. What is the name of the teacher that teaches Harry potions for most of his Hogwarts career? Oh man. What is the name? So it's funny. I never read the Harry Potter books as a kid, even though I, that would have been like prime for me to read. Mm -hmm. I was always in the Lord of the Rings instead. Uh, I've watched all the films twice. Okay. But I can't remember his name. I'm going to, I'm going to have to take the L on this one. Okay. All right. So for the audience, one more time, what was the name of the professor that that taught potions for most of Harry Potter's Hogwarts career? And that would be Severus Snape. Oh, professor see, Snape. I could, I could see his face. I, mm -hmm. The actor's face is right, but I couldn't remember the name. But yep, but that I do remember now. Oh. Uh, okay. So one of one ain't bad. One of one ain't bad. All right. Next, we have... Ooh, action movies. Okay. Action movies. So, all right. Action movies. Okay. What movie franchise? What movie franchise? What movie franchise starred a character by the um by the name of Okay, let me refresh this. All right, so now this came clear. Okay, so <laughs> what movie franchise starred the character known as John McClane, who had who was an NYPD officer who tried to save and take down terrorists? That would be Die Hard. That would be Die Hard. Yes. That would be Die Hard. <laughs> so you're two, uh, two and myself. one. All right, all right. So question number four. Question number four. We have... Oh, this is a good one. We have a good one. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. All right, so here we go. As Raider of the Raiders of the Lost Ark opens, Indiana Jones is searching for an idol. When he locates it, he hesitates to approach it. Indy's assistant says, let's hurry. There is nothing to fear here. What is Indiana's tomorrow's reply? Ooh, okay. So this is in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Or did you say your last crusade? 
No, as Raiders of the Lost Ark opens, okay. Indiana Jones is searching for an idol. When he locates it, he's hesitant to approach it. Indiana Jones' assistant says, let's hurry. There's nothing mm -hmm. to fear here. Indiana then replies, what? Oh, man. What is that one? Uh... He's got so many great one-liners in there. Um... Man, it's been a few years since I've seen that. I, I don't know. This is wrong. It's probably like "Don't rush me, kid" or something like that. That's <laughs> a remember. that's a very good guess. That's a very good guess. It is. That's what scares me. That's what scares me. Oh man, I should have got that. Me. All right, so two of two. Um, are you gonna play the Indian? Are you gonna rewatch Indiana Jones before the game? Oh yeah, I'll definitely do okay. that. Yeah. Okay, I plan on doing that as well. I. I I don't have any super nostalgia towards Indiana Jones. It wasn't like one of my top franchises growing up, but I, I plan on rewatching those to kind of familiarize myself with it. The first and the third were my favorite. The uh, mm. second one, Temple of Doom, is okay. Um, and then I really like the most recent one. So. Okay. All right. Your final, final category. Would you let, I'll let you choose your own destiny here. Would you like uh -oh. to go with category A or category B? Oh, boy. Category we'll, uh, A. Dial of Destiny A. here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go. Let's go. Category B. Oh, Category B. That's a that is a fine category here. In fact, like Middle Earth. Middle Earth is okay. your category. Okay. So, all right. What is the full name of Pippin? What is the full name of Pippin? uh is it mary doc pippin no wait wait hold on no 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 wait hang on for the audience wait, wait, is it uh we have is it no it's paragon per, peregrine took is that Save right final answer oh gosh no man it's pointing together i should know this i read so much more things growing up uh let's see for the audience what uh, is the name of the category of Lord of the Rings, aka Middle Earth. What is the full name of Pippin? I'm, uh, what is the full I'm gonna, name I'm gonna of say, Pippin? Like, uh, Peregrine took. That's my guess. That is absolutely correct. Oh my that gosh! Is I was correct. like, sorry to give you the dead airspace. No, there. I was no, you're like, good. No, I can't get Lord of the Rings wrong. I can't. <laughs> You're good. You're good. You were combining Mary and Pippin's name. Yeah, I was. I realized yeah. that halfway through. You know, it's funny. I love Lord of the Rings so much. I, mm -hmm. I actually have uh, Lord of the Rings Elvish ingrained on my uh, wedding ring. So oh, that's that was, so that cool. was a little tough selling the wife, but she she let me do it. So okay, that's yeah. So, so cool. I'm like, see, I told you, I, I get in those trivia moments, and my brain just goes mm -hmm. blank. So, <laughs> well, well, um, are you going to play the the Shire game this year? I think so. I think okay. so. You know, I, I've been a little disappointed by a, a lot of the Lord of the Rings adaptations. I The last ones that I really, truly loved were uh, the RTS games uh, Battle for Middle Earth. And then I also mm -hmm. loved for PlayStation, uh, the the licensed games for the films. Oh, I love those. Like, the best licensed games ever. So I loved those, um, especially when they let you like um, play like co-op. Uh, my cousin oh, and I used to like all... Yeah. Oh, I'd oh, play man. as Legolas or Gimli. Oh, yep. and we tried to see who got the most kills at the each at the each oh, one. I was, was like, so oh, good. so good. Yeah, so yep, good. I love that. All right, so David, before we go, where can the good people find you? 
Yeah, so I, I write for BossRush.net, uh, which is BossRush Network's uh, website proper. Um, and then also on Twitter, at David Lasby. Um, so at David, L-A-S-B-Y for Lasby. Okay, David, thank you so much for joining us, man. It's It's been a pleasure talking to you. Like, I absolutely love this conversation. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. All right. One, one last question, though. Because you know we gotta leave them, we gotta leave them on a, a cliffhanger here. We gotta leave them, leave them wanting more here. So, David, I got one last question. Would you like to explore option A or option B on that question, though? Ooh, well, I said B last time, so let's do A. Okay. All right. All right. So, all right. So, I got a little game I want to play with you real quick, and it is okay. rapid fire questions. Just rapid uh -oh. fire questions, and we're going <laughs> to. We're gonna just your first your first thought that comes to mind is your your absolute answer. Okay. All right. You ready? All I'm right, ready. Who's, who's the best Ninja Turtle? Oh, uh, Leonardo. Best, best topping on a pizza. Pineapple. Okay. Best Zelda game. Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I, that's a tough one for me, but I'm gonna go with it. Okay. All right. So, is that your game of the year for last year? It was, yeah. Okay. But Link to the Past has been my all-time favorite Zelda game. So that was the first time that that changed. So, Do you have a Guilty Pleasure video game? Oh, boy. Uh, I like Fortnite. Oh, okay. <laughs> I hate to admit it, but I like it. Okay, okay. All right, all right, all right. What is a TV show or movie that you really enjoy that is a Guilty Pleasure as well? uh do i watch so many shows oh, okay it's kind of melodrama but i really like yellowstone <laughs> yellowstone i hear good yeah. things i hear yeah. good things all right so what is a game that you did not get to play last year but you and you're ashamed of it because you you actually wish you would have gotten to it uh that would probably be alan wake too everybody talked okay. about what a great game it was and i try to play all the game of the year stuff and i just didn't get to it and so i always felt like i couldn't you know saying like tears of the kingdoms my game of the year but it's like mm -hmm. I, I you know i didn't play all the games that were game of the year you know so it's like it's got the top man <laughs> yeah yeah i mean gosh baldur's gate alone you could dump like a year into so. you really can't yeah you really can't so all right so my final my final questions in the rapid fire here we go all right so this is a fun one here all right who's a better father figure is it joel or kratos oh joel okay joel. Joel. Yeah, okay yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, he's willing to, i mean i guess you could say the same but he's he's willing to do anything to make sure that you know the people he loves is safe all right best lord of the rings character Man, I I think it's got to be Sam. Uh, you uh, know, Sam his, his okay. loyalty to Frodo, carrying him at the end. Like you know, Frodo doesn't doesn't get to Mount Doom without Samwise Gamgee. So, all right, all right. Book. What is a good book recommendation? Ah, uh, boy, that's a tough one because it depends on what you're interested in reading. Um, but uh, okay, I, I mean, this is going to be a little niche. So mm -hmm. I apologize to people that are interested, but if you like the Aliens and Predator franchises, um, Tim Levin, who I just actually got done reading a uh, non-Aliens related novel of his for my book reviews, but he wrote a trilogy called the Rage War Trilogy. And oh. uh, one book focuses on the Xenomorphs, the aliens. Another book focuses on the, the Yaucha, the Predators. And then the third book is like them combined. And that was probably the most 
fun, nerdy trilogy that I've read in a really long time. Uh, but obviously, probably would only appeal to people that love those uh, those franchises. But um, it's really is, good. So that is really cool. All right. So last question in the, in this portion of our show before we get up out of here, what is your single player game recommendation for everyone today? Single player. Oh man. Well. If we're going recent, I would probably have to say Tunic, honestly. Okay. But for me, there's a lot of nostalgia lens there. It, it recreates the experience of uh, playing those early Nintendo games where you had to read the manual to understand what's going on in the game. They don't really tell you. There's no like explanation bubbles to help you understand. And in fact, the irony of uh, Tunic is that part of the gameplay is you have to collect pages of the manual to be able to read it, which is just like a great uh, nostalgia factor for that. Um, but then like other just great one player games that had a beautiful story, uh, or a moving story. Hmm. Well, this is actually, it's not going to fall on beautiful, but I really liked Alien Stark Descent as even though it's a real time strategy action game, it was highly cinematic. And, um, I, I thought, uh, they did a great job of story storytelling there. So that, that would be one for me that I recommend as well for this last year. Did you ever play Prey? No, I almost downloaded it on Game Pass uh, recently, though, mm -hmm. because I've heard so many people talk about that game as uh, one that I would probably like. And that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I think yeah. you would actually love Frey, you know, that yeah. of like, I was thinking, I was like, what is another alien type of game that he'd probably like? I was like, he probably would really be Frey. It's either he's yeah. really going to like it or really hate it because it's not yeah. quite aliens enough for him. <laughs> that's awesome all right so david thank you so much for being on the show man it's great to having you i would love to have you anytime you're available man you you're welcome back thank you so much for awesome. what you do everyone go check them out on the bossrushnetwork.com right bossrush.net bossrush.net okay bossrush.net they are an amazing group of individuals i've been on their show numerous amount of times love doing content with them he will also be at pax so if you see him say hello everyone um, I've been Sebastian. That's been David. This has been the Single Player Experience Podcast, the premier podcast for single player gamers to find about good single player games to play and talk to other people who have been playing said games. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Until next time. Bye, everyone. Thank you. So that's a wrap for today's show. I want to give a special thank you to David Lasby from Boss Rush Media for being on the show today. I also want to let you know about the Single Player Experience Discord server. It's the perfect place for single player gamers to talk about the good single player games they've been playing lately and to get video game recommendations. Think of it kind of like a book club for single player gamers. The link to join will be in the description. Once you're in, feel free to share your video game backlog list, talk about the good games you've been playing, or give your feedback on the show. If you have a game that you think should be recommended or that you think I should talk about, let me know in the Single Player Experience Discord server. I'll see you there. Before we go, I just want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Stay safe, stay gaming, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace!